talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views. And the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. And owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Thank you for listening to Driven Radio. We know your time's valuable, so we work hard to bring you the best in automotive content and interviews. You can listen to us online at readthedriven.com on iTunes, Pippa, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Please follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and on Instagram at Read the Driven. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield, here with my co-host, Shelby Expert, and owner of the world's lowest volume car dealership, Vern Estes, and our intrepid engineer matthew this week our show's a little different we're devoting it all to the story of one of the best road trips of all time i was there for this road trip i was on it with uh, our special guest and friend of the show uh my good friend luke channel he's a mcpherson college auto restoration professor and uh also holds the world's most epic barbecue at the post mcpherson cars club uh show every may luke welcome back to driven radio glad to be here brett um I know you and I have been talking this week, and we've been trying to get hold of our buddy Ken, but he's out of town. Uh, This is the second anniversary of a road trip we took to retrieve a really awful little car. uh, Terrible car. That was stranded in Cincinnati, and uh, it was a Bradley GT. Now, real quickly, could you explain what a Bradley GT is? Well, in 1972, if you wanted a Corvette uh, that didn't really have any money or taste, which if you (laughs) wanted a C3 Corvette was kind of the case to begin with, um, you could have gone out and found a clapped-out VW and then gone to the Bradley Corporation, uh, which was still thriving in business at that point before all the lawsuits, uh, and bought yourself a fiberglass body to stick on said clapped-out Volkswagen, thus giving you a... A rather poor home-built imitation of a rather poorly built uh, General Motors Corvette product. So, so um, essentially, a fiberglass frisbee on a Volkswagen Pan. Exactly, and the idea was that you could buy it mostly done, but that you would complete the better part of the thing yourself. Meaning that most of them, shall we say, had variable build quality. <laughs> <laughs> variable from like bad to awful to undescribable to atrocious yeah and yeah yeah and, and luke occasionally writes for uh, a magazine that i also write for sports car market magazine and the publisher of sports car markets a guy named keith martin keith has a son named bradley so in a moment of weakness at an auction in miami keith bought a bradley gt and then managed to con a lot of his readers and other associated magazine people into driving this car and legs from Miami to Monterey Car Week in California in August. So they had started driving this car, and it is—it was an 
utter crap box. So it broke down on almost everybody who drove it, and people would take time either repairing it or having it repaired. And all these people that had volunteered to drive this car in legs, some of them started missing their window uh, because (laughs) the car had been broken down so much. And eventually... It was up to Luke to drive it in a leg from McPherson, Kansas to, was it Vail? Were you taking it to Vail? Yeah, I was going to take it to Vail over the mountains. <clears throat> so I was really looking forward to that. Oh, um, oh yeah. I had, I had dedicated a whole week and had lots and lots of plans. So anyway, good, good con- Go ahead and continue well, your story. Well, it, it missed enough windows that the thing winds up stranded in Cincinnati. And there's no way to get it from Cincinnati to Kansas. I mean, it's just, it's stuck there. So Luke calls me on a Friday afternoon and says, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, I, I don't know why. And he said, uh, have you been following the Bradley uh, online on Sports Car Market? I said, yeah, kind of. He says it's in Ohio. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, we're going to Ohio. And I said, uh, yeah, okay. He says, you're the only guy I know with a truck big enough to tow a car trailer with a car on it. <laughs> oh, great. Glad I rate. You're not asking me to go because I'd be a good traveling companion. You're, I'm the only guy you know with a truck. You basically only need like a golf well, cart trailer to tow a Bradley, though, in fairness. So. <laughs> yeah. to, to be fair, this is the reason that I don't own a truck capable of towing a trailer because <laughs> someone would ask. So I said, eh, man, I don't know. And then Luke says, I said something to the effect of, I sort of have this crazy scheme. And I think at that point I had already called our good friend Ken Yon. Yeah. And uh, the minute I told him, the very minute I told him, I have this crazy scheme. Ken said, before I could get any more words out, I'm in. He immediately says, I'm in. Yeah, well, for those so, who don't uh, then, know, for those who don't know Ken, his quote about himself is, he's like a dog. If you open the front door, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We sometimes refer to, refer to him as the most interesting man in the world. He really um, is. He absolutely is. He's also yeah. the world's most educated juvenile delinquent, so... <laughs> yeah, if you want someone with a PhD to lead you to very bad decisions, oh God, I'd be and, Dr. Kenyon. And, and this is why we're all friends. Anyway, Luke says, Ken's going. I said, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely in. Uh, Ken says he's going. You say you're going. I'm thinking this sounds like a horrible idea, and I, but I don't have anything planned for the weekend, and horrible ideas are generally a good way to fill your weekend. So I, I, I said, I'll do it. I said, I'll go. And you guys decided to load up Ken's car and load up a bunch of tools and all that stuff and come and meet me at, in Kansas City the next uh well, uh, the next day around noon. And so they load up and they come to my house and I don't have the truck at home. It's at the warehouse. We have to drive down and collect it. But we drive down to the warehouse. We load all the stuff in the truck. And uh, then I think we're going to get out of town in a hurry. And Luke had other ideas. Well, every every great road trip is fueled by a combination of hubris and barbecue, Brett. Well, I mean, I, you should know this. I, I I do, but I didn't realize how adamant you were going to be about it. So rather than loading the crap in the truck and getting out of town and getting some miles behind us, which is what, you know, the way I usually travel, Luke says, oh, no, 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 no. we're going to Arthur Bryant's. <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> so we head down to Arthur Bryant's and. Oh god! In that that fabulous location down on Brooklyn Avenue, I basically grew up there. Well, <laughs> lovely, lovely. Place. I kid you not. I worked right down the street. And and uh, you know what? We'll talk about it a little bit more here in a second when we come back. We're talking to Luke Chennel about the second anniversary of our road trip to Ohio to collect the Sports Car Market magazine, Bradley GT, and the fiasco that turned into. We'll be right back with more of this tragic tale here on Driven Radio. back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. We're speaking with McPherson College Auto Restoration Professor Luke Chennel about the second anniversary of our ill-fated road trip to Ohio to collect the sports car market magazine Bradley GT. So, Saturday, we've barely gotten on the road. Uh, Luke absolutely demands that we stop at Arthur Bryant's. It's a good call on Luke's part. Uh, over on lovely scenic Brooklyn Avenue, we... Uh, Walk into Arthur Bryant. The the line isn't too bad. Managed to get served straight away. And uh, I do about what I always do and spill about half my lunch down my shirt. So uh, walk out to the car, change shirts, and jump in the navigator and hammer toward Ohio. First things first, as Luke and I both said, there is no better traveling companion than Kenyon. There just isn't. There just is not. I, I that man has more stories and can tell them better than anyone I know. He is a colorful human being. Um, we're driving across Missouri and we're going across the Missouri River. And was it Mayflies? What did we drive into? I, some torrential bug. They were they were tremendous. tremendous it was bugs. it was a cloud, this massive storm cloud of bugs, and they were so thick it looked like the stars in the Millennium Falcon when they hit uh, 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 when it jumps to hyperspace. You could just see them coming at the at the truck, and they're just for a couple of minutes and i we must have killed 10,000 mayflies driving through that thing you couldn't believe how thick they were all over the car um few hours later we're getting closer to ohio we do another mandatory barbecue stop that's all we ate on this entire trip was barbecue and beer uh it was i kind of remember the waitress the waitress was rather pleasant at that restaurant from my recollection she was a little but, overly uh, friendly <laughs> and there was a nice dance floor at that place too and i was rather sad that we did not have time to avail ourselves of the waitress and dance floor oh please nonetheless. <laughs> oh, good God. so we finally make it to cincinnati it's about 11 o'clock at night and we go to pick up this car luke if you don't mind please set the scene well so we get 
to to pick up this car. And I have to say, the thing looked rather good in the dark. I mean, from 25 feet away, and I also should mention that it was kind of drizzling, mostly raining. So in the rain in the dark at 11 o'clock at night after uh, uh, some healthy doses of barbecue all day, I was feeling pretty charitable about the Bradley. Yeah, you thought, Uh, is that a Mark 1 GT40 sitting there? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't be any further away. that far. So, so after some interminable, interminable digging for the keys and locating the owner, uh, we finally got the, the car fired up, such as it was, and uh, it became apparent to me that this would be somewhat of an interesting task to get it to wherever I was going to next. Oh, please. You know, um, this thing, because it was a bit of a kit car, has four taillights on the back, and the taillights look like they were all made for a trailer. I mean, you could pick them up at the local truck stop. They were because they were made for a trailer. Luke starts this thing up, puts his foot on the brake, turns the headlights on. One of the four taillights works. One of them, passenger side down low. And I I later came to find out uh, that it turns out, you know, you need to kind of have a ground when you're wiring things, (laughs) and the grounding properties of fiberglass are kind of poor. Yes, Uh, but nobody told. This was apparently not included in the Bradley manual. No, Uh, no one, no one ever happened to mention that fiberglass is not, in fact, conductive. Well, and and if you're old enough to remember, uh, back in the seventies. EverReady made these uh, kind of plastic tube flashlights, and some were green, and some were red, and some were orange. And they took a couple of a couple three C batteries to run them. The headlights on this Bradley weren't quite as bright as those flashlights. So Luke backs out, and Ken and I are going to follow him. And he hustles up to the end of the street. He makes a turn, and we immediately lose him. And we wind up driving around in circles for about 10 minutes, and then we find him again, which is terrific because we really, really don't want to see the, don't want to have the cops see us driving this thing. It is awful. It is just unbelievably awful. And we, at, at that point, I got kind of a, a whiff of the full Bradley experience, which involved <laughs> the driver's uh, gullwing door having a, uh, shall we say, rather less than optimal panel gap. Are you kidding uh, me? Which when, I say, which, when I say less than optimal, was like uh, at least an inch. You could have uh, slid right a double-thick padded envelope through the gap at the top of that door. <laughs> so it, it, the thing about it was it provided a rather nice cooling effect. <laughs> and in fact, um, when you couldn't see out the windshield because it was so pitted up, uh, you could just kind of peer through the top of the car, through the gap in the in the door, uh, to get your bearings and navigate a little bit better, which I did on multiple occasions. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking... <laughs> We're, we're talking to Luke Channel, associate professor in the auto restoration program at McPherson College. Luke's also a really good friend of mine, and we're talking about this really epic road trip we took to collect a really awful car. So Luke takes off, and we go try to find a hotel we can stay in. And he's he's driving down the road, and it looks like this car doesn't have any headlights at all, at least from where Ken and I were sitting. Uh, could you see anything? 
No, no, I wasn't bothered. I mean, I, I, I was more kind of worried at the time about trying to run the navigation on my phone uh, and then run the car at the same time. You know, it was purely luck figuring out where I was going. There was no no particular uh, um, navigational or, or vision involved in that process. Shall we say I was unencumbered by the sight process. <laughs> So we drive around, we find a Holiday Inn, uh, we get checked in, we go grab some uh, food at that crummy drive-in that was right up the street from the hotel. Uh, We buy a little bit of beer, go back to the hotel, pull the battery out of the car. Here's the first thing that really, really surprised me. That had the best battery in it for such a crap box car. That thing had an Optima Red Top battery in it. And we pulled it out, and Luke, and uh, I'll give him this. He knew how to prepare for this. He knew what to bring. He had tools. He had meters. He had a battery charger, you know, full-size. Trickle charger. Plug-in trickle charger. So we pulled the battery out, go to the hotel room. Luke plugs the battery in overnight. We drink a couple beers, and then everybody goes to sleep. We get up the next morning and we're stuffing this battery back in the car. And, uh, it, you know, it always a good look when you're laying on a uh, hotel parking lot uh, working on your car before you can leave in the morning. And we go to fill this thing up and I'm looking at the back window on it and it is it's not even translucent. It's <laughs> Luke. How would you describe that thing? Oh, the back window. I mean, the the original back window, uh, you could not have seen out of that thing. It was completely frosted over. I mean, it was like it was like a piece of boat plastic, you know, like a plastic (laughs) windshield from a boat, except it had been out in the spray for about 30 years. And was pretty much rock hard. I can't. There was a decal on it, and I. It was some suitably awful decal. It was a Harley um, one. It was Harley it was wings. A, it was a Harley. Yeah, I think they were aspiring to a better, you know, better car with the high with the Harley. Um, um, but nonetheless, yeah, rear vision was nearly impossible. You know, which, I've got I've got um, a quote from uh, a Facebook post you made right after that. I, I had to go look it up today, and it was fantastic. It said, uh, it's from after we picked up the car, drove the car about 30 minutes outside of Cincinnati, and my general impression is it's better than any VW kit car I've ever driven. It actually steers... I've never driven a VW kit car. I figured as much. <laughs> It it actually steers, stops, and handles in a sporty fashion. The engine is strong. The wiring is atrocious. It it was reasonably enjoyable on the highway, though the frosted fiberglass windows and pitted windshield made the glare of oncoming lights pretty much like seven suns searing your retinas. Rear visibility is non-existent. (laughs) So, anyway... uh, Every time we stopped, uh, Ken and I were both taking uh, tons of pictures of poor Luke. And boy, if there was a saving grace to this trip, it's this. Neither Ken nor I fit in the car. Neither one of us. Uh, I'm a little bit, I'm a man of larger carriage, so I was a little bit too broad in the beam. And Ken... Well, you can't cram size 14 feet in that foot box. It just doesn't work. So we are, uh, are watching poor Luke fill the gas tank, and he can't even wear a Stetson in the car, uh, which... I, 
I felt a little sorry for you for that. And he's got a gap. He's got a, about an inch, inch and a half gap where the gullwing door should close, and it doesn't. It's got a giant gap. And I'm looking at that thinking, that thing's just going to scoop June bugs all the way home. Luke's head, forehead is going to be a target. Uh, so anyway, we get ourselves on the road, and Luke's idea is to go where? Tell us, tell us where we should go on the way home, Luke. Well, we need to stop at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway because, I mean, you're not, there's no fun in just taking the car on a long drive and not stopping along the way. I'm sorry to cut you off. We're going to do that in just a second when we come back here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in sunny Overland Park, Kansas. We're speaking to McPherson College Auto Restoration Professor Luke Channel about the second anniversary of our road trip to Ohio to collect the god-awful sports car market Bradley GT. When we left, we'd picked up the Bradley, we'd gassed it up, we were headed to Indy. Luke, take it from there. Why go to Indianapolis? Well, why not? Um, but so we, anyway, I wanted to get a picture at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And actually, I, we got some really good pictures right there around the speedway, uh, just in various places. But, but I have to say, my favorite part of the speedway was trying to leave when the, the Bradley decided that it was more at home in Indiana, at, at the Indy 500 than we were. And consequently, the starter crapped out. Yeah. So I had to have Brett and Ken push me to get the car going again, which we did. And, in rather and it really, spectacular fashion, while the and I there was an admiring crowd of children around while we did it, which made it even better. Well, it didn't help that we did it right in front of the Indy Motor Speedway Museum. Exactly. So exactly. plenty, of, plenty of people to watch, and it really is like pushing an overstuffed go kart, and it just it didn't weigh anything. So we leave Indy. The starter is is crapped out, but we can work around it. That's okay. Uh, we start heading down the highway, and we've got plans to stop in a little town called Greenup, Indiana, because they got a barbecue joint. We're going to stop and try their ribs. And Ken and I, uh, now, I, I'm... Ken is the best storyteller there's ever been, and he's telling me one wild story after another. And we're behind Luke, and we're in my navigator, and we've got the AC on, and we're having a pretty nice time. And I see a little chuff. So in, in the meantime, well, in, in the meantime, somewhere in Indiana, um, before this, is they're sitting in the AC and swapping stories and whatnot. I go over a rather sizable chuck hole and promptly create what I called the channel bubble in the Bradley, <laughs> which was a giant crack kind of in the fiberglass roof, which came from my head. Oh, no. <laughs> replete, replete with some of my hair 
you know, stuffed in the crack as it ripped literally part of my scalp out uh, in, in the into the car. For, for those anyway. who are unfamiliar, a Bradley GT is probably built for somebody who is at maximum five foot eight or five foot nine. Luke borders on being he's almost six one. So he he's not supposed to be in this car to start with. The fact that the door didn't seal properly on the driver's side, probably a little bit of benefit for you to give you a little extra headroom. It it was. It actually provided some nice ventilation too. <laughs> so Ken and I are driving behind Luke, just trying to keep an eye on him, make sure everything's going all right. And I notice a little puff of white smoke comes off of one of the exhaust pipes. And again, and again, and again. And I'm starting to smell what smells a little like burnt oil. And, you know, it, white smoke coming off the car is not that big a deal. It's an air-cooled car, so you know it can't be a blown head gasket or any antifreeze coming out of it, anything like that. And I look at Ken and I say... <laughs> Hey, Ken, does that smell like oil to you? And Ken waits a second, takes a big sniff, says, nope, that's gas. And about the time he says that's gas, I notice a drop off the other exhaust pipe. There's two pipes about eight inches apart come straight out the back of the car. So now we're seeing white smoke come off either one of them, and it smells like gasoline. We speed up and get up next to Luke, and we're trying to explain to him without, you can't shout loud enough for him to hear you. The engine in that car is loud. It doesn't have roll-down windows. It has plexiglass uh, gullwing doors. And I think, if memory serves, Ken finally took out a lighter and lit it and then pointed at it and pointed at you. <laughs> that sounds, yes, I recall this very vividly. <laughs> trying, to, trying to tell you that you're going to catch on fire soon and we were going to pull up at pull over at Green Up, Indiana anyway. Fortunately, we were only about five minutes away. We pull over, pull into the parking lot for this barbecue joint, and then how how was the story from your end, Luke? What are you thinking? Well, all I remember, so I remember trying to pass a semi and then, uh, you know, which was kind of taking your life in your own hands anyway. Um, and so as I'm trying to pass said semi, I noticed the car starts to cut out a little bit. And so I just kind of fall back. And then you guys come roaring past me, waving your arms frantically. <laughs> and then Ken, I think, you know, does the, the lighter gesture. And so I figure, okay, it's time to stop. So pull off and the car Finally, at, at right after I get um, off the exit, it starts to really cut out and act like it wants to die. So I get it past the stop sign and then roll into the parking lot of this barbecue joint. And after I, you know, bailed out, which was kind of more like rolling out onto the side, especially after you'd been cramped in the thing for a while, um, I look at the back and there's a puddle of something that looks kind of whitish on the ground. And then I caught the smell and realized that, in fact, the car was pouring fuel out the back of it <laughs> all over the hot exhaust. <laughs> and so aptly in front of a barbecue restaurant with BBQ in giant letters, I open up the, the back hood or panel or whatever you want to call it and find fuel spurting out from where the fitting had blown out of the carburetor and was busy dousing the muffler in gasoline to cool it down rather effectively, I must say. Yeah, the, the hose had hadn't fallen off the carb. The hose clamp was still in place. The fitting jiggled backwards out of the carb <laughs> and then started pouring raw fuel on the exhaust as Luke's driving down the road. And, uh, you know, we've got a picture. It's a terrific.
terrific picture, I'll put it on the website, of Luke holding the fuel line in his fingers, and there's gas pouring out of the damn thing while he's sitting there holding it. Uh, It was just unbelievable. So wisely, we decide the best course of action would be to move the fuel line so it's not pouring onto the exhaust, (laughs) to go inside, eat barbecue, let the car cool down, and then come outside and figure out if we can fix it. And Luke is is ready to be out of that car. He's ready to be in some place that's got a little AC, get a cold drink. So he's leading Ken and I. As we're walking into the restaurant, I lean over to Ken and I say, you know, if we're really, really lucky, this SOB will burn to the ground while we're eating lunch, and then we can just get in the navigator and go home. <laughs> if only. If only. If only. I mean, in that restaurant, they had a couple slot machines, and I put a dollar in one, but my luck had apparently run out because I did not get any winnings from the slot machine, nor did the Bradley catch fire. Oh, man, I'm, I'm telling you. So several ribs and uh, laughs later, uh, we walk outside uh, back to the gravel parking lot, and my luck had run out, too. It didn't burn to the ground. I was absolutely heartbroken, and we broke out the tools and broke out the zip ties and Luke did a masterful parking lot repair job on that fiberglass frisbee and we set off again and I I, I got to hand it to you I really felt bad for you man that was just the crummiest little road trip car uh Luke gets back in there and we start driving down I-70 what happens about 5 minutes after we get on I-70 again Luke so at some point the uh rear visibility situation was getting rather dire. And so I think I had tried to adjust the fender mounted mirrors that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, were basically the size of a postage stamp. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, instead of what I really wanted to do was just kick a hole in the back window so I could see, given that there was no rear visibility. But so I'm adjusting on these postage stamp size mirrors. And uh, after we get going again, the one on the passenger side just starts flopping around and flailing around wildly. And finally, the glass just flies out and shatters into a billion pieces on the on the on the uh, pavement, you know, right we, over. We were you know, right behind line. you. And that thing, honest to God, that thing left so fast that I asked Ken, did he just hit a bird? Because I thought that was a bird skipping off the front of the car. And. He said, mm-hmm. and and Ken knew exactly what it was, what it was. He said, "Nope, mirror," <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's all he said. But it just chucked off that thing like it had been shot. It was great. So we I can- later, I later in an attempt to fix that, I went to a glass shop, and the guy there. He, this is the most idiotic thing anybody said to me during that entire trip with the car. He said, why don't you just call the Bradley Corporation to get a new one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure they got them on the shelf. They're just waiting for your call. <laughs> and I think what I said to him was, well, after all the lawsuits involving these things, they went out of business about 25 years ago. Although, in fairness, you just know that some poor soul did buy their excess inventory at some point. So there is some guy out so, there who yeah. has a huge stock of mirrors, and he's just waiting for the one day that somebody might call needing Somebody one of has a stockpile of those yeah. things somewhere. <laughs> So we get a little further down the road. We stop for gas outside of St. Louis. And not only does it start. I mention that. uh, 
No. The, putting gas in the Bradley was quite a, a challenge. You know, I, I don't know what the fuel tank was out of, whether it was out of a boat or a lawnmower or something else, but it, wasn't it only it? held about it was like eight seven gallons, gallons I swear. Yeah, it was awful. It was motorcycle so capacity. Had to stop. Just, yeah, I had to stop all the time. And it was it took forever to fill because the venting was just terrible. Oh, it was god-awful. We stop outside of St. Louis to get gas. Now, here's the first thing we do. That rear window that's on that car, or was on that car, was held down by a series of screws all the way around the outside. And the first thing we do, Luke stops. He says, I can't see anything. He jumps out, grabs a screwdriver out of the toolkit, and we remove the back window. Just took it off entirely. Oh, that was the best decision. Well, I'm sure it got you quite a bit there, too. And uh, we'll get to the rest of it here in just a moment. When we come back on Driven Radio, we'll have the conclusion of this this god-awful little car and the road trip home. Welcome back to Driven Radio. We're speaking to Luke Chennel about the second anniversary of our road trip to Ohio to collect the god-awful sports car market magazine, Bradley GT. So when we left, we were just talking about taking the back window out of that thing when we stopped for gas in St. Louis and how what a pain in the rear it was to try and put gas in because it had a little teeny tiny tank with no vent, apparently. Uh Luke gets it filled up, we get the back window taken out of it, and then we find out not only does the starter not work, but neither does reverse. (laughs) Reverse is gone, too. So, Ken and I pushed... It came back later. It was just... It was occasional. You know, just taking a break. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 mind of its own. So we push him away from the gas pumps, and the car weighs less than the Harley Ultra Limited I had at the time. And we drive it just right up the street and whip a U and get a picture of Luke standing in front of the car next to the Route 66 sign, which was kind of cool. And uh, then we head down the road again and decide that it'd be a good idea to stop for gas in Columbia one last time, because when we get back to Kansas City, Luke's going to go on his own. I'm going to drop Ken off to pick up his car and then follow Luke back. And, you know, I live in Kansas City, so I'm not going any farther than that. We stop to get gas, and I hand Ken all the receipts for the trip, because he says he'll give them to you, and you can turn them in, and we'll get refunded. And Ken probably... That was the dumbest idea. <laughs> I, I Look, he said he could take them. I was dumb enough to believe him. I'd think he probably lost them before we left the gas station because nobody ever sees the receipts again and i wind up having to figure out all of our expenses by cobbling together credit card statements for months after that uh you know my wife when she when she said well she knew exactly why i took ken but she said why would you ever trust ken with any kind of financial <laughs> instrument whatsoever that's not his strong suit so uh, that is not the reason you bring the man along. Well, he said he could handle him. I took him at his word. Uh, never again. <laughs> so uh, at this time, we figure out the car's not charging hardly at all. I mean, it's charging enough to keep itself running, but that's about it. And Luke can't. It doesn't produce enough of a charge for Luke to charge his phone. 
So I lent him my little uh, my little jump bag that had a battery in it so he could hook his phone up. And then we uh, we said bye to old Luke and let him go on down the road on his own. Ken and I stopped in uh, at my warehouse in KC and picked up his car and I gave him your tools back and then uh, let him take off down the road. And I went to the car wash to wash a metric ton of dead bugs off my navigator. So what happened after that, Luke? Because I wasn't there. You know, Brett, I, I am always so glad to be out of Missouri. And I swear, when I crossed <laughs> the Kansas City line, when I crossed the Kansas line, and it was just like purgatory. It was just so wonderful. The traffic died down, and I just had the best, best drive back to McPherson. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, the sun was going down, and it was just absolutely gorgeous i hit the flint hills right as the sun you know went behind the clouds back in god's country light switch back in god's country and i pulled the light switch and the lights flipped up and fortunately did not fly off uh (laughs) and i drove on into the dusk and into the night and i when i got to mcpherson county i was yelling at the top of my lungs i was so happy i That's Got outstanding. To Galva, Kansas, which is which is a little town. Galva's a four uh, little town, four miles outside of McPherson, and I was just screaming at the top of my lungs for joy. I got to our house and I got out and I literally kissed the ground. I was so happy. <laughs> After 871 miles. In what is that likely the crappiest feeling. car ever. Yeah, it was. But I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. That gave me, I had more fun in that car, not only with you guys, but later on, than I think I've ever had in any kind of expensive car. You know, I've been around million dollar Ferraris and all kinds of exotic cars. And the the combination of friends and just trying to surmount really high mountains and obstacles with that car brought me more joy than any amount of money ever could. So, and that that was to me. Go ahead. No, I was I was going to say I absolutely agree with all of that. This is the absolute culmination of uh, slow car fast, and also getting to hang around uh, with both of you was a, a great time, and we got to eat a lot of really good barbecue. But real quickly, run down the list of repairs you did to this thing before you took it on your leg to Vale. Well, I re- replaced the starter and rewired about half the lights, and I we built a new rear window for it. Um, I and before I, that had been done, somebody went through the brakes. Um, I readjusted them again and worked on the transmission. The list goes on and on and on. It was it was pretty extensive and just about felt like it was endless. And there was also a very beautiful placard made for the dash uh, while it was in Indeed, your custody. I've, Tell me. Indeed, uh, I, I'm lucky enough to have a foundry and have some pattern making skills. So I made up a <laughs> nice little aluminum uh, fright pig placard for the dashboard that I finished up for before I delivered it to the next person. So. And then you drove this thing to Vail, Colorado, which is what another 400 miles from Mac. Uh, it's actually more like five. That's closer to 600. Is it really? Um, but the best part of go, yeah. So, uh, you know, my parents live out on the, the kind of eastern side of the mountain in Colorado. So I drove it out there and roared around um, the Denver metro area for a couple of days. And then I was 
with my dad and we were talking about, cause he was going to help me deliver it over to Vail. And uh, we were talking about where to go. And he says, why don't you go over Weston Pass, which is an old <laughs> mining road that goes from, from fair play over to Leadville. And I mean, at the top of the road, it's a, it's a four wheel drive trail. It's not seasonally maintained. <laughs> and, um, far from pay. So it, yeah, far from paved. So anyway, and the the summit is like eleven thousand two hundred feet. It's one of the highest through passes in Colorado. And so, so we're he brings along his XJ Jeep. We're going up Weston, and then when we get to the top, I mean the Bradley barely has enough power in first gear to make the summit. So I get up the final climb. We take a picture, and there are a couple of uh, uh, guys in like you know, lifted Jeeps that have winched their way up and <laughs> done all kinds of ridiculous things. And so, so there we are with the Bradley. So go, going down the other side into Leadville, the, to describe the holes as potholes would not be quite accurate because there was a stream running through the middle of the road and I'm bouncing along in the Bradley and, you know, I've got the doors up and I, practically fly out of the car <laughs> so we finally roll our way into leadville and that that little card made it the entire way it made and, it all the way to portland and eventually made a few more legs made it all the way to portland and made it all the way to monterey unbelievable yeah uh, we've been talking with mcpherson college auto restoration professor and my great friend luke channel you can find luke at luke.channel at gmail.com or on facebook at forward slash luke doc channel on twitter at luke channel you can find all of these links and also lots of pictures of this trip on readthedriven.com luke thank you so much for being with us i appreciate it pal and i always have a good time reliving that trip that was so much fun yeah thanks for having me brett Thanks so much for spending your time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com, follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Vern Estes and our engineer, Mr. Matt. Thanking you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Driven Radio.